Hello, Real Talk listeners. This is the fourth and final episode of the series, The Voice of HR. We have definitely had some incredible guests on this series, and this final episode is no different. We have really spent this series talking about what it takes to form a great partnership between different departments within the business and the HR team. We've talked about some mistakes that HR has made. We've also covered some requests that we have from business partners, like um, if you guys heard the OD episode, we requested that um, as business partners, you guys understand when we ask a ton of questions, it's because we're trying to truly get to the heart of the situation so we can offer the right solution. It is not because we think you have a ton of extra time on your hands and we're trying to fill it up for you, okay? So we're gonna wrap it off this final episode with two people who I consider friends, Chriselda and Tammy. I'm gonna give them just a minute to introduce themselves, or a few minutes to introduce themselves in just a minute. But I want to share with you why I was excited that they said yes to this interaction. I actually remember when the two of them started forming their relationship as business partners um, within the business. And I remember how involved they both were with the success of Uh, the department that Tammy led. Pretty big department, multiple sites, and Criselda was in all of it. She got to know Tammy's team, got to know Tammy's desires, her goals, her vision for the future, and they really just melded in a very, very short time frame. And so getting the two of them on here together was really a great example to illustrate to the rest of you what good can look like when both people are putting in the effort. So without further ado, Chriselda, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Why, hello there, Real Talk podcast family. Michelle, thank you for inviting me on today. My name is Chriselda Cuyar. I would say I'm an HR professional that didn't really come up the traditional HR route. I've operated in multiple functions in the business from quality to being a production associate, to being a continuous improvement specialist, to being in sales. So I transitioned into HR about five or six years ago. And that overall diversity in my experience led me to a path of HR where I just feel like I am in the best spot ever. I call myself a change agent. Um, if I if I come in, trust me, <laughs> something's going to get changed. And that, that just is because of my continuous improvement and process knowledge background. It is so good to have you on here. I would agree you are definitely a change agent. I think that is an incredible description. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tammy, tell us a little bit about your yourself and your career. All right. So, um, I'm an operations leader and um, passionate about a continuous improvement journey. 
So I graduated from Clemson University with an industrial engineering degree and had the opportunity to continue that education to work on my master's also at Clemson in industrial engineering. So um, a lot of uh, education on the process of uh, improving or uh, making uh, the world a better place. If, if you if you go at it from the what the approach <laughs> I took, and so um, ended up. I mean, right now I've got 25 years of operational experience in the nutritional manufacturing industry, but a lot of change in uh, my years of experience. Started out as a traditional um, junior industrial engineer, setting time standards for um, you know fair work uh, practices, and then um, expanded into um, other areas areas of project management, but always around the manufacturing industry. And uh, probably eight, 10 years into my career, you know, senior leadership saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And that was, you know, we, we have some leaders in our organization that we need to transition into operations. And I saw myself as an engineer, but there were leadership qualities there that um, I didn't realize were leadership qualities. And so I was transitioned into an operations role and spent the remainder of my career there growing in that role. And when you talk about change, change is part of industry. Um, what doesn't matter what industry you're in. So the fact that, you know, Chrisella talks about being that change agent and really understanding that uh, navigating change really you know, makes you who you are and having someone that really understands the importance of how to navigate that change. That kind of, I, I, I'm here to talk about myself, I'm supposed to be introducing myself, but I'm just, I already noticed that connection when I heard her speak in regards to who she is and that that immediately is, is where we align is how you are who you are and you help others by helping them navigate through that change and that transition in their life and do it in a successful way where you feel good about yourself. So that's how, that's me. <laughs> nice. Thank you both so much for introducing yourselves. And I actually love that you both talked about change because really when I step back and take an honest look at the field of HR, it has progressed through significant amount of changes. Like if you go back to and look at what it was like in the 70s and the 80s, someone who was very administrative, who simply understood the laws of labor, came in and just executed on some stuff. I call it administrative stuff. There's nothing wrong with administrative stuff. But as we progress, and, and you you both probably remember living this, as we progressed through the 90s, we started hearing more about, I want to do things with purpose. And then as we started hitting the 2000s, there were just so many more opportunities for people, for humans to get jobs. And so companies needed to adjust their people strategy, but that meant HR had to adjust their strategy as well. And in some cases, we didn't. Um, HR definitely stayed behind. So I don't want to get into that yet. What I want to do is talk about the two of you, because this is what good 
looks like the the relationship that you guys formed. So Tammy, I want to start with you. Tell me some of the things that Criselda did that you knew this was a different kind of relationship. It probably started with our first meeting where we were, you know, set up to get to know each other. Let's just talk about you know, what we just did. Who are you? What have you experienced? Um, you know, what's your background? So Chris, Chriselda shared that about herself. She shared, I shared mine with her. And I think, number one, the interest in knowing a person's background was the first thing that brought to my attention that, you know, she cares. She wants to know why am I, who am I, and how did I become the person I am today? Because that may help her uh, identify ways that she can help me. And that's the other piece is that she offered to help me, to help me with my team, not just help me with, as you mentioned, the clerical side of HR, you know, to help me make sure I got all my forms filled out and that people get hired, but help me identify gaps in my team, gaps in what I may be doing that I don't even know that I'm doing. Example, did you recognize that person for that great effort that they put in? You know, that, and I'm like, you know, I might have just glossed over it. Yeah, I told them, thank you. No, recognize, you know, say, you know, more than that person is, that person, and in, in getting to know the team, I'll say, because she might say that person would like more recognition personally, but not out in public. So knowing the team well enough to know, you know, how you would recognize somebody. But I I think our relationship started from the, I want to help you. How can I help you? And then being creative in those ways to almost customize what she was going to offer me. So I I think that whole piece of, um, you know, it's not a cookie cutter approach. You have to, her many types of experience in her background, maybe really um, allowed her to give me that uh, customized approach, recognizing that I'm a, you know, I'm passionate about continuous improvement and processes and data. And, you know, her hearing me say those things, then it didn't hurt that she's also passionate about continuous improvement (laughs) and data and, uh, and helping people. And, And so I think those were, things that we connected on. Michelle, I have to say that I was overall impressed with Tammy because let's be quite honest, there are very, very few manufacturing operations leaders that are females. And so when you come across this, you know that they've done something. They've exhibited skills. They've exhibited leadership. They've done something that have allowed them to stand out for their peers, for them to navigate to such a significant role. So it was important for me to understand her journey because in understanding her journey, it allows me to really be able to hear what she needs and help to help her navigate that and get the HR, I would say, infrastructure ecosystem out of the way so that she can be successful in supporting her team. So, Chriselda, did you have a plan? And the reason I ask this is because I know that um, the role of that business partner was truly undefined when you took it over. So you were really sort of 
figuring it out as you went in this particular organization. Did you have a plan? Well, Michelle, I wouldn't say that I had a plan, but I will say that I operated out of my skill set. So to go back to, you know, back in my previous um, roles, I was a quality systems auditor. And being a quality systems auditor, I remember that was my very, very first professional job off the production line. And I had no guide. So I had to learn to schedule meetings and meet all my different customers so that I could do an intake to schedule audits. So it was pretty much the, okay, go around and meet the team, go around and and build that relationship. So for me, it wasn't so much that, oh, what is an HR business partner? What does it do? But it was more of, hmm, how did I navigate introductions in the past and brought that forward in my progression of learning about the organization and learning the teams is just, you know, using what I knew of how to build relationships. And I think relationships are key because that's the only way you're going to delve into what's needed for the team to be most successful. And also for without a relationship with the individual team members, they may not accept the help that they need if there's not a a certain uh, level of trust and relationship that has been built. And um, I would say that was a key piece of of the relation of the success in the relationship as well. You know, it's funny that you bring that up. And this is this is guys, this is why I tell you this is so organic. It's always things that someone says that leads to the next thing. But um, I remember years ago trying to teach a group of leaders about the difference between personal power and professional power. And that professional power is, I have a title, so I can write you up, I can hire you, I can fire you. And we we taught them, actually, there's always a story on this podcast, just, you know, we taught them by watching a movie and we would dissect pieces of the movie. Have you guys ever seen the movie, Remember the Titans? Yes. Yes. Isn't that with Denzel Washington? It is with Denzel Washington. There's a scene in front of the bus that most people kind of cringe. It's right as they're going to camp. And most people sort of cringe. But I will tell you that from dissecting it from a leadership perspective, I think the character did the right thing. But it's a perfect example of positional Um, or professional power, Denzel basically says, who's your daddy? Or some version of that. Like, I am the boss, get it through your head. And that works. And there's absolutely a time and a place where you might have to play off of that positional professional power, right? But personal power, you can gain a lot of ways. You can gain it through trust. You can gain it through getting to know people and building relationships. And you can get it through having credibility on the topic that you are going to discuss. And so that's the one I want to talk about now, both from both of you. I want to hear both of your points of view. HR, because our skill set is so transferable, 
we do tend to go from industry to industry. What advice would you give um, someone in HR who's jumping into an industry that they don't understand? How do they get to know your business? Again, I think, Michelle, I have to say that I'm not the traditional HR person. And I think a lot of my work has been around using my personal power. I've always led from a position of influence. And that influence came from building relationships, you know, getting out in the process, talking to the leaders, talking to the people, understanding what, you know, needs to be done, understanding how I can help. So I think the key for anyone trying to integrate into the business, number one, is you have to get out and you have to introduce yourself. You have to let your customers know that you're there and that you're there to support them. What, but another thing that I think it's very, very important is that we have to teach our leaders on this HR ecosystem. Yes, HR has evolved to not be that administrative type role. It's, it's much more than that. We've become coaches. We've become mentors. We've become confidants. But at the end of the day, that freaking ecosystem <laughs> is what frustrates our leaders. Not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. If it's changed today, well, we did it that way yesterday. But that ecosystem, that infrastructure of policies, processes, and systems, we have to make it easy for them to navigate. We have to do that because once that's out the way, it truly opens the door for other things that organic relationship and trust and confidence to grow. So I would say that the HR business partner, what you just said with the, the complexity of, of the HR ecosystem, it is, is a frustration on the operations side. And to have uh, an HR business partner that is that you build that confidence with that they are the subject matter expert and and I'm all about I, I am I will admit every day of my life I am not the expert but I know who to go to I find and I build relationships with subject matter experts that's how you progress uh, your team and, and, and you get results because you can't know everything. It's okay right. to know everything, but the subject matter expert to have that partner uh, reduces that frustration. You just have that dependable uh, person with the knowledge, but again, you have to trust that they have the knowledge and they have to come to you with the confidence. There's times where they don't know everything. They have to go check on things, but that needs to be the lesser of the times than most, oh, I'll have to check on that. That doesn't right. have the confidence to say, this is really how we need to handle this situation. Um, whether it be um, legal knowledge or individual company policy knowledge. Um, but I think, Michelle, you had asked going into this question specifically about what you're looking for to um you know, for us to be successful and, and, and navigate that. And uh, I think it's the, you know, the, the, that relationship with your HR business partner and their, their knowledge of, but they don't have to know the industry. That was the piece that you're like, what? Right. I don't know the industry. 
That means very little to me. But what is important is for them to come into my world and learn my struggles, regardless of the So if my struggle is a turnover in a particular position, I need to be able to share that and then and have that support to go, well, let me help you dig into that. Let's look at, is there truly, does the data support that there truly is a turnover in that position? And then, okay, well, let's look at what, what could those causes be? Why is that? Five whys. Let's use those five why tools. You know, why do we have that turnover? Is there a person, is it a you know, as a person, is it the process? Is it the training? And then having that, um, you know, having that partner in HR to kind of help you get into that. But I think it's understand my struggles. It doesn't mean understand how to make a particular product, but it might, it might take, might have to go out there and to Chriselda's point, go meet the people and ask them what their thoughts are on that particular issue. What are some of the other missteps or mistakes you've seen either business leaders or HR business leaders coming in um, new to the organization? What are some mistakes you've seen them make? I will tell you one of mine, um, you guys started digging on it a little bit um, when you started talking about kind of the structure or the infrastructure that is um, <laughs> that is HR. Um, I've worked in multiple organizations where I was the face or the one that formed the relationship, and yet I didn't always have the information. So it was a constant game of, oh, I don't know. We did, I didn't know we did that. I'm sorry. So it was a constant game. That infrastructure is one of my five. What have you guys seen? There are some mistakes. Well, Michelle, I'm going to have to say that, um, and I think, again, I'm not the traditional HR. Coming from a quality and quality systems background, we understand the value of documentation and those documentation and work instructions and how they lead you down the process. I I probably say one of the consistent things that I've seen is lack of documentation and, and accessible information for HR processes and system. Again, it's an ecosystem. It's an infrastructure that looks at multiple things from employee development, you know, how do I get training for my employees to, you know, requesting the time off, you know, what's the method of requesting the time off or do I have to be here so many days to get time off, you know, or even if, you know, you have somebody that's been hurt on a job, you know, What's the process for reporting that injury? And are we consistent in in reporting the process? For me, being a process person, that ecosystem of HR is one of the things that I've seen is not always being transparent, which causes that frustration with the business. And we have to remove that frustration. We have to make things transparent and consistent because in that transparency and that consistency, it builds competence and it builds trust. And if our employees trust that we know what we're talking about and the business trust that we know what we're talking about and we consistently exhibit and follow those same processes and systems, you remove a lot of frustration. 
And what you have is you have a culture of trust that allows you to pay attention to more important matters, you know, you know, like building up my output. Right, Tammy? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what I one of the comments I was going to make was that what I have seen is because of the lack of those infrastructures we're talking about, really good systems you know, our HR business partners uh, a lot of times seem overloaded with tasks and paperwork, administrative duties, whatever. It just uh, from the view of a operations leader, overloaded and unavailable. And so you begin, you see that and you begin to go, well, I'm going to get my help from somewhere else. You know, that's kind of, you, you know, historically, I've, I would I would just kind of stop using that resource as a resource for my team because they're busy doing administrative, you know, they're overworked. And so um, that relationship almost would dissolve as a result of that lack of systems or processes. And then the other thing I'd say, again, you know, that inconsistency because Potentially, maybe it's related to systems as well, but the, you know, the application of a particular policy in a consistent manner, you know, can create this perception of of favoritism or then you then, you know, then that breaks down the trust piece. Oh, well, there's it's okay for them to do it this way for this person. But this, you know, and it and it could be just lack of knowledge, but it comes across as. Uh, inconsistency then leads to like distrust, and so right. that those are some of the um, mistakes. And it sounds like we, if we could all go back to the root cause, maybe it's the systems and the lack of systems or processes that are defined as right. to exactly how we're going to do them right. uh, for that situation. You know, it's interesting. It's always been interesting to me, and, and I will. I will say up front, if anybody's checking out my profile and like who is Michelle and where she worked, it has literally been in every job I've ever had. HR and all aspects of HR, we do for others and we never do for ourselves. Like we make sure SOPs are written for different departments. We make sure training is created so that people are onboarded correctly. And we just sort of come in and do what we do. And I think the other challenge that happens because of that is each of your partnerships are different because they came in and they learned that that sort of tribal knowledge from a different person or in a different way. It's interesting. SHRM has done a really good job of trying to streamline the different roles in HR and saying what good looks like. But the problem is SHRM can't dictate that all HR departments use their stuff. They also can't even, I mean, you can't even legally say your HR partner has to have a degree in HR. The company gets to decide that. Um, And they may just decide to appoint someone in that role. Chriselda and I both came into HR through production, later gained that knowledge in the world of HR, but we did it after the fact, right? And right. So organizations, they get that chance to just figure it out on their own. And I think that's where a lot of those mistakes happen 
is it's not something you should be Googling. People policies are not found on Google as easily as you think they are. You really need somebody who has that skill set and who's willing to look at, like you guys have said, the root cause, the big picture, the underlying challenges, and they're willing to put together that entire um, ecosystem or structure to support the whole organization. Exactly. You know, one of the things that I've always believed is that, you know, we have to remove the roadblocks out of the way. And it's all about, I, I, you know, we heard the term, the more you know. The more we know about the HR ecosystem, the more we can share, the more we can be consistent in how we communicate it, the more we can train people and develop it. Our goal is to where it's, it's, it's a thoughtless process, but with support so that our leaders can go out and focus on what they need to focus to make the business better and to, to produce the product and not have to worry about navigating that ecosystem. You know, it's about building trust. And if you can make a leader's path clear by educating and supporting them on the ecosystem, you're building that trust with the employees. You're giving that confidence and our culture will be one of trust. And I, I think that's the most important things is that, you know, how consistent can we be? And and when I go into Tammy's world and I'm understanding her needs, I want to be able to get a quick win. And if that quick win means I can remove a barrier or help her navigate something so that it's not a constant talking point when she runs into that her manager or that employee where, you know, you said we we're going to do this. Why is it taking so long? That's our job to remove those barriers, to help their paths be, be much more clear so they can go about the business of producing the product for our customers. And that's, I mean, really, that's, that's the removing barriers is what leaders do, whether you're, you know, leading uh, an operations team or, you know, in your sense, leading, uh, being that representative for the HR team and, and helping remove the barriers for me. So everybody, if everybody's working to, you know, remove those barriers in, in their area that they know the most about, um, mm-hmm. then, then we are going to move the business forward. We're going to see a higher success rate. So we think about, you know, where does HR provide value? For a company, it would be to remove barriers for the operations team such that they can continue to move the company forward. So I think that's a really good way to put it in the, you know, what are we, what, what do we do as HR uh, to uh, bring value to the business is to remove barriers for our leaders to continue to move the business. Okay, so let's wrap this up. I'm going to ask you guys. Same question that I've asked every other guest. If you could give just one or two pieces of advice to someone in HR or someone that partners with HR, how to create a great relationship, what would it be? Okay, I I would say, um, you know, the best advice I could give is, is to be, to want to be integrated with the team, to want to show that you want to, be the the 
the HR subject matter expert for the team and that you're committed to, to be a part of and join that team and learn about what the team needs. And um, it's just that level of involvement and commitment to the team. I think that's what I would say. Yeah, I would, I, Michelle, I would agree with the same thing. Nothing different, nothing more. Those one-on-one sessions, understanding the leader, you know, being in those department meetings, getting to know the teams is very important. Those relationships, again, it's about operating out of position of relationship. Our empowerment as HR comes from how we build relationships. And the other thing I would say is that I found that I could not live up to the legacy of the previous, my previous HR representative. I have to let it go. You know, I can't focus on, you know, you'll, you will hear, well, you know, our other HR leader did this, or our other HR leader did that. I can't live up to that legacy, whether it was a negative legacy or positive legacy. But what I can do is learn to understand what their needs are. And a lot of the times those needs fall in navigating the HR ecosystem. And, and again, removing those barriers and letting them to get to know me and being transparent. That's the advice that I would give. For sure. So guys, listeners, you heard it here first and you heard it in this series. And I know you've heard it from me and Maria and Keith um, for like 60 episodes, but now you've heard it from HR leaders as well as other business leaders, operations leaders, marketing and sales leaders through this series. There is the opportunity for us to form just incredibly solid relationships where we are making each other's lives and work environments um, even more effective, but you got to do the work to get to that place if you're not there already. Look for our document that I am calling the Dirty Dozen. The Dirty Dozen is a series of things you should not do. And the positive or the alternative of that, of each of them, which you heard directly from our guests in this series. Hey, man, Criselda, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.